Welcome to the Gospel Ministry of Exchange Church. Thank you for connecting with us for our Bible talk today, and please feel free to share these talks with others as well. It's our desire to connect people to Jesus and grow people in Jesus. To find out more about us, please visit our website, www.exchangechurch.org.au. Uh, today, a little bit different. We did start the book of Galatians last week for a sermon series, and we are going to get back to Galatians, but we're not going to go there today. Uh, today, we're going to um, uh, speak more specifically about baptism, as we have this baptism service um, at the end of our service here, which we all want you to stay around and to, to witness that and be part of that. So a little bit different than normal, but nonetheless, we'll be in God's Word. Not so much sort of pulling apart one particular passage, but sort of stepping around the Bible in a few different areas, but to help us trace out uh, what the Bible tells us about baptism. To help set the scene for where we're going, uh, do we have Olympic Games last year? The years go by so quick. Must have been the year before. Hang on, some are saying yes. Year before. Okay. Anyway, at the start of the Olympic Games, what do we have? We have a opening ceremony, don't we? The whole thing is geared with such a spectacular. This country is going to show itself off as they put on this uh, unbelievable show. Uh, but the opening ceremony there is for all the countries, the nations, to march into the stadium or the arena. And what they'll do over the next couple of weeks is compete. Uh, over many events to win a gold, silver or bronze medal. But this opening ceremony here, it's like an initiation or to initiate the beginning of the Games. It's actually pointing to something that is to come, that these nations are all going to compete together uh, for these medals. So it's, it's it's an opening ceremony that's a sign for what's about to happen. I want us to think about water baptism today as a ceremony or a sign that God uses to point to him and his glorious work of salvation. For that is what baptism is. It's a sign that's po- that points to what God has done. So if you've got your Bibles, please go to Colossians chapter 2. And we're just going to read a few verses from 6 to 15. Colossians chapter 2, just go there. Let me read. Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority." In him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. And you, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by cancelling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside and nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Father, thank you. Holy Spirit, thank you for this powerful passage of Scripture that you've inspired the Apostle Paul to write for us. This is joy and celebration in all that you've done for us. Us who were dead in our sins, Christ has made alive. 
As we see that today reflected through baptism, may we, Lord, just uh, celebrate with those who are going to be baptised later on. Do we see, again, a pointing to the gospel, a pointing to the work of Christ that we see reflected through this passage here as well? May that fill our hearts with joy and thanksgiving. May it fill our hearts with an overflow of worship, we pray, Holy Spirit, to celebrate Christ now. We ask that we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, yep, so we're having a baptism after our service this morning. Now, for some, for some, this may seem like some sort of strange rite of passage. What is this actually happening here? It's, is it some sort of ceremony? But it seems a bit mysterious for some as they might look onto that. You may have this question, what is this all about? Uh, people give some sort of confession to a person called Jesus Christ. Uh, then a minister responds uh, with another sort of maybe strange-sounding sentence of words, and then we allow people to go under the water and come back out of the water. That seems a bit strange for the uninformed, for those who are not sure what's going on. What's happening here? Is this some sort of initiation ceremony or something? Do you need to know the secret handshake before you actually get in the pool or something? It can be a bit like that. These people seem to be doing something meaningful here, but I'm just not sure what it is. If you're not, uh, if you're in the uninformed position, it can it can appear that way. As we think about it today, we've read that passage there from the book of Colossians. Colossians is a letter that Paul has written to the churches in Colossae. And what Paul's trying to do there is help them to understand and grow in the gospel, to know Jesus' joy and peace in their lives being transformed into the image of Christ. And Paul's here using a reflection here of how baptism uh, is a sign for that, for this glorious work that Jesus has done. So today I want to speak about baptism here as this beautiful sacrament or ceremony that acts as a sign, a sign that points to Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as our Saviour and our Lord. Now you might say, what is a sign? Well, a sign is something that points you to what's happening or has happened or what to do. You may walk up to a train station, you might see a sign at the front and on that sign it's got a picture of a train, it's got the word Melbourne and it's got the time 9.30. So you're thinking, okay, there's a train leaving for Melbourne at 9.30. I better make sure if I want to get to Melbourne by lunchtime I catch the 9.30 train. That's what the sign, it points towards something. Baptism is just the same. Baptism is pointing us to what Jesus has completed for us and what we are now entering into and through him and all that he has done for us in our place. Baptism is one of those things that takes a bit of thinking through at times. And what we have is we have confessions of faith or we have creeds that have been written down for us which aren't biblical but what we have is people who've thought about this and then try to give us a bit of an explanation of baptism. Here's one from the Westminster Confession of Faith that talks about what baptism is. This was written hundreds of years ago and it says this. Baptism is a sacrament of the New Testament, ordained by Jesus Christ, not only for the solemn admission of the party baptised into the visible church, but also to be unto him a sign and seal of the covenant of grace of his engrafting into Christ, of regeneration, of remission of sins, of his giving up unto God through Jesus Christ to walk in newness of life, which sacrament is by Christ's own appointment to be continued in his church until the end of the world. There's a fair mouthful there, but that's, that's a description there of baptism from the Westminster Confession of Faith, and it's biblical, and it's true. 
So as we think about this, I want to show four things that baptism is a sign for as it's pointing towards. Four things here uh, that I think are really important as we think about baptism. First one is union with Jesus. Baptism is a sign that points to the union with Christ. Here in Colossians, Paul's telling those who are trusting in Jesus that they are rooted and they are established in him, in Christ. Have a look at verses 6 and 7. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. What are Christians? The united to Jesus in a spiritual union. Not a physical union. We're not Siamese twins with Jesus. It's a spiritual union where we are bonded to him. In actual fact, Jesus has bonded us to himself through salvation. We see it again reflected in Galatians chapter 3 as well. It says this, For as many of you as were baptised into Christ have put on Christ. Water baptism here is this picture here of our spiritual union with and in Christ. Jesus doesn't leave us, as it were, swinging in the breeze all on our own. Just say, but now you're on your own. No, 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 that's not how Jesus works. Jesus is in union with us to keep us, to establish us, to see us to the very end in persevering grace. All of Jesus' promises of salvation and rescue are sure for us with our union in him. He's covenanted with us. He's agreed with us. He's going to keep us to the very end. Baptism points to that. It's a covenant sign that I'm in union with Christ as I go through the waters of baptism. He's established that. Here's the second sign that baptism points towards, and it's this. Water baptism is a sign of regeneration or renewal. You might think there's a couple of big words I'm not really sure about. But it's the regeneration and renewal that takes place within us at our conversion, or when the very first time we put our faith and our trust in Christ. Here's how Titus chapter 3 says it for us. He saved us. We didn't save ourselves. He saved us. Not because of works done by us. We don't contribute anything to our salvation. Not because of works done by us in righteousness. But according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. This is the sign here that baptism points towards. What is our salvation? It is a beautiful work of regeneration or renewal, being made new, that the Holy Spirit works in us, supernaturally comes upon us and changes us. It's a bit like this. We go from having really no true interest in Jesus at all. We're just living our life and just seeing life through our own eyes and just living life as it is. All Jesus is is possibly some 2,000-year-old dead bloke that a bunch of people in churches gather to follow in a natural state. That's how we might think about Jesus. But then God, by the Holy Spirit, does this unbelievably beautiful work in us and opens up our eyes to see who Jesus truly is. He renews us. He regenerates our eyes, regenerates our heart. What happens is we hear that very same truth we may have heard a number of times before, hundreds of times, thousands of times, who knows, that Jesus died for our sins. And instead of previously, it would hit us like a stone-cold brick wall and bounce off and we wouldn't believe it or we'd just move on with life and forget all about it. Instead of that happening now, through regeneration, through renewal, those words sink in. 
Those words find somewhere and they take root in our heart before they bounced off. The Spirit has given us a new heart now to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. To believe that he truly did die on the cross to pay the price of my sins. It's renewal, it's transformation. And it's a very powerful work that God does within us when he renews us and we are regenerated. We begin this path of transformational change as well. Where once I was bound up and I felt like I was chained to destructive habits or destructive lifestyles in my life. That these things I just felt like I just had to keep doing them. But we changed the change from that now. At one point in time I thought life was all about making money and surrounding myself with stuff to make me happy. You know, work, make money, buy stuff, get happy. Work, make money, buy stuff, get happy. Work, make money, buy stuff, get happy. It's like this repetitive lifestyle. But what I discovered was, no, it didn't work like that. It didn't make me happy. I just felt like I was on this treadmill thinking that's how to be. But I was finding emptiness and I was finding despair. And then sometimes the next set of destructive habits that come in from that is this. The only way I can cope with this emptiness or this despair that comes with that is I'll hit the bottle. I'll get into some other substance abuse and maybe that'll help me cope through life. And then perhaps get in a rage with people and get angry. And then I feel like I'm trapped in this vicious cycle trying to find what life's all about. But in gospel renewal, the Holy Spirit gives me a new heart that desires change, gives the power to change that I didn't have before, gives me the ability and the desire and the, and the power to do that. And this heart now, this internal person of me, feels washed and cleansed through this renewal, through this regeneration. Now I truly want to love God. I truly want to love other people because I see them in a different light. What is water baptism here? It's a sacrament or it's a sign that points to this washing or this cleansing in renewal that the Spirit does upon my heart supernaturally. People often say, I feel clean. Not that they've had a bath or a shower or anything, but it just feels like the Spirit's washed me clean. I feel this cleanness about me. I feel renewed. I'm a new person. I'm a new creation in Christ. That's what God's Spirit does. So that's the second sign. It points to regeneration and renewal. I'm made into a new person. Third sign is this. Water baptism is a sign that points to the remission or the cancelling of our sins before God through Jesus. It's actually reminding us of that, of what God, uh, Jesus has done. What has he done? Jesus has offered up his life as a payment for our sins. It was the perfect sacrifice where our sin has been put away once and for all. Jesus doesn't have to go through the sacrifice again and again and again. It's once and for all. This is what Jesus has, came, has come to do. Have a look in Colossians 2 where we see that beautifully put there for us. In verses 13 and 14. And you, who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. What's Paul saying there? That's for you in your natural state. Dead. Unresponsive. Unable. You cannot do anything to contribute to your salvation. You are dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. What has God done? He's made you alive together with him having forgiven us all our trespasses. By what? 
by cancelling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. We were dead and buried. Legal demands upon us. We've broken God's law. But Jesus has come and he's cancelled that record of debt. Paid in full. How did he do it? This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. This is what Jesus has completed for us. At the cross, our record of debt, our sin before our holy God stood against us, declaring us guilty. Guilty as charged. Jesus took that debt, made full payment on our behalf so that it's fully cancelled, never to be seen again, never to be brought up before us again. It might still plague us in our minds, but God will never hold that debt against us. It's paid in full by Jesus. Water baptism here is a sign of the finished work of Jesus dealing with our sins. This is what I believe when I go through the waters of baptism. It's what Jesus has done for me. Water baptism also is this sign that points to a glad and willing submission in Christ as well, as the Lord of my new life, as the Lord of my life. We see this in Galatians chapter 2. It says there, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Great verse to memorise. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. I gladly submit to Christ and the life I now live, so I'm still living, but I'm living now in submission in the flesh to, by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. In this newness of life, I gladly and willingly recognise that Jesus is my Lord and I gladly and willingly submit myself to his Lordship because he knows what's best for my life. I know what I think is best, but it's broken. Jesus knows exactly what I need to do. And he tells me through his word how to live a life that brings him glory and honour and praise. And in my submission to him, I can do that with faith and good trust because all of his intentions towards me are good. Jesus is not going to lead me down a dead end street. Jesus will lead me into a life that brings honour and glory to him. So what is water baptism? It's this obedience to Jesus as a sign of our glad submission to him as our Lord and our Saviour. Water baptism points towards that. Here's the fourth and the last sign we're going to talk about. It's a very powerful sign that water baptism is. It points towards Jesus' death and resurrection. We do this, again, to remind ourselves that it's all about Jesus and it's all about his death and resurrection. Have a look in Romans chapter 6, where Frankie read for us before. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. It's probably talking about union of Christ there as well in that united aspect. It's a vivid picture of the death and resurrection of Christ. Going into the water signifying that I'm dying tomorrow, I'm not going to live the way I used to live. With this new heart, I don't want to live that way. I come up out of the waters signifying new life to Christ. I want to live this way that brings honour and glory to Jesus. So as we participate in this sacrament here, we're identifying with Jesus in his death 
and resurrection on our behalf. Jesus dies to cancel our sins and he rises again to declare us justified and made right through his perfect life given to us, uh, which is a beautiful, beautiful picture. So what is water baptism? It's, it's, It's a powerful sign here that God uses to bring glory to himself as we go through this ceremony, as we go through this sacrament. It's a powerful sign that, will be, that we see how Jesus uses it to point him, to himself as the gospel. It's not, we're not the centre of baptism. We're participating in it, but we're using that to point to our Lord who's rescued us and achieved this glorious salvation for us. Let me stop here and just pose a couple of questions that sometimes people ask here about baptism. Is baptism necessary for salvation? Sometimes people think about that and ask that. Is baptism necessary for salvation? Classical, classic, sorry, evangelical, biblical understanding of God and salvation says no. Baptism is not necessary for salvation. Not necessary for salvation. We understand from the Bible that salvation is from, is from grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. So it's not necessary for salvation. And probably one of the most important people in the Bible actually illustrates this for us. When Jesus was dying on the cross, he had a thief who was right beside him. Two thieves, actually, one on either side of Jesus. And in the last hours of this thief's life, he asks for mercy from Jesus to be rescued. He says, Jesus, remember me when you're in your kingdom. How does Jesus answer that thief? He says, today you will be with me in paradise. Now let's just think about that thief for a moment. I don't think he was tithing at that time. I don't think he was going to church. I don't think he was reading his Bible. And he wasn't baptised. But what did Jesus say? Today, today you'll be with me in paradise. Now I'm not saying you don't, that's the pathway you can go. We want you to read the Bible, we want you to be part of church. But he illustrates there for us. In his last hour, he calls out for mercy and Jesus gives that mercy and saves him. It's not necessary for salvation to be baptised. That's what the Bible teaches. Let me throw another question at you. Is baptism optional for a Christian then? Is it optional? I'd answer, no, it isn't optional. Jesus commands it. Hang on, Todd, didn't you just say you don't need it for salvation, but now you're saying Jesus commands it? How do you sort of figure this out? How do you make this work? How goes that? Well, it's necessary to hold this tension in our minds that the Bible does teach that we are declared right or justified before God by faith alone. Now, you come next week, we're going to dig right into this as we go through the book of Galatians, and you'll see this glorious doctrine of justification by faith alone. No good works, no deeds are attached to our right standing before the Lord. So therefore, salvation isn't conditional on baptism as a necessary work. But, at the same time, at the very same time, Jesus gives us commands to carry out in obedience before him. Lots of commands. And one of those commands is, 
Be baptised. Be baptised. Jesus is with his disciples and he's giving him his, the, the last words before he's about to ascend back to heaven they, so they can carry on the mission of the gospel. And here's what Jesus tells his disciples here, the last commands. Have a look with me in Matthew 28. He says this, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, there, go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you, and behold, I'm with you always, says Jesus, to the end of the age. Another powerful verse of comfort that God is always with us. But at the same time, there's a commission there for us to carry out. Let's think about what Jesus is saying, though, just in that little passage there. There's three really explicit commands that Jesus is making in that passage. He says there in verse 19, Go therefore and do what? Make disciples. That's the first command. Go and make disciples. Second command comes in the uh, second part of that verse. Baptising them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And then the third explicit command comes at the start of verse 20. Teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. So Jesus says, make disciples, baptise them, teach them. Make disciples, baptise them, teach them. That's a command that Jesus says, go and do those things. It's not an option. Jesus is commanding this to his disciples. So we at Exchange Church here encourage every believer to be baptised in obedience to our Lord. Not necessary for salvation, but in obedience to being glory and honour to Christ. Because what is baptism? It's this powerful sign against this powerful sacrament or ceremony. We've just shown to be those four signs then, but it's also a very public sign as well. It's a public declaration of who your Lord is, who your King is, who you're going to follow. It's a public declaration of who I am and who I'm now following as my Lord. I'm telling people that I'm a disciple of Christ and I'm following him as my Lord and I'm not ashamed of it. It's a sign that points to what Jesus has done and it's a sign that's very public for us to partake in as well and to let the world know. Now I can tell you of many stories that I've read when people get baptised overseas, particularly in persecuted countries, That is the line that they cross when their life becomes a dangerous thing. Up until that point, they can just confess Jesus as their Lord and some families will put up with that. But the moment they get baptised, they make this very public statement about who Jesus is, that's often when they'll get martyred by their own families, particularly in those heavily persecuted countries. It's a very powerful thing that God's given to us to declare who Jesus is. So we encourage every single person who's a believer in Jesus, be baptised. Be baptised. Now as we wrap this up here, I want to actually address two different people perhaps that are sitting in front of me today here. Firstly, this could be your very first time in a church today. We are super glad you're here. Our doors are open for everybody to come in. We love to have new people come. So if you're here for the first time, thank you so much for being here. But I just want to see, show you here, Paul's actually speaking to you in this verse. Have a look in Colossians chapter 2, verse 8, and you'll see what Paul's saying here. He says here, See to it. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, 
according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. What's Paul saying there? He's saying this. Don't be taken captive. Don't be held by false, empty, deceptive thinking. Don't be caught up in what this world is trying to tell you where life is at. Don't be caught up in that deception, Paul's saying. Some of that deception you'll probably find on the internet these days as well. Paul's saying, don't be, don't be caught up by that. Don't be held captive by that. That stuff promises much, delivers little, and doesn't last. The world promises you everything. It delivers very little, and it doesn't last. Paul's saying, don't be caught up in that. Don't be captive. Don't be chained by that. Paul's saying, discover who Jesus is. Discover the truth that you've been made for. Discover him as your Lord and Saviour. Discover the true freedom that maybe you're looking for that actually Jesus brings. That's what Paul wants you to discover. If you're here for the first time and you're thinking, there's just something sort of happening within my head. There's like a voice that tells me this could be right. It's God's spirit work in your heart. I would say, come and see me or come and see the person you may have come with today and say, I'd like to know more about who this Jesus is. Second, if you're here today and you're a Christian and you've been following Jesus and you're not yet baptised, I think I'd like to talk to you. Maybe you've been a Christian for five years, ten years, maybe even longer. And you still haven't been baptised yet. Let me encourage you. Be baptised. Get baptised. Be obedient to Jesus' command. I'm not sure what's stopping you today. Is it pride? Is it fear? I've been a Christian for 10 years. If if I get baptised now, people are going to know that I haven't been baptised and I don't want to, you know... I want to save face. Maybe you feel a bit scared to do this in front of people. It takes courage to do that. I get that. Don't listen to the voices of pride or the voices of fear. Don't worry about what people may say or think, because I'll tell you what most people will say and think. They'll rejoice, they'll be glad, they'll celebrate, they'll be thankful. Come before the Lord with a faithful and courageous heart and say, I want to do this, Lord. I want to come and be obedient to you through the waters of baptism. I know I've put it off for 10 years or longer, but Lord, I want to do that. I want to go through the waters of baptism and do this amongst my family, my birth family here, but also my church family as well. Lord, please help me to do that. Why? Because it's a celebration of encouragement and blessing for all of us when we see that take place. So if you've been putting it off, don't put it off. We're going to have a baptism service today. And if you are prompted by this, if you are checked in your heart by this and you want to get baptised, we'll do it again in a couple of weeks. Maybe even next week if you're real keen to go. I want everybody who's a believer to be baptised, to experience what God does through baptism. And what he often does is blesses us with his spirit of joy and peace as we go through the waters of baptism. And you're robbing yourself of that when you don't go that pathway. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. What is baptism? It's this wonderful sacrament. It's this ceremony. It's this sign that Jesus has given to us 
to point to his gospel and to his work within us. And it's a glorious, glorious thing that we get to partake of. Let me pray as we just finish that off. Father, thank you. Thank you today that we can come and we can uh, very shortly, Lord, go and uh, commence these baptisms. Father, we are so thankful for this sacrament that you've given to us, a sign pointing to the finished work of Christ, pointing to the gospel, pointing to the Spirit's work within us of regeneration, of giving us a new heart, reminding us again of the death and the resurrection of Christ, reminding us again, Lord, of renewal in you, reminding us again, Lord, of the union that we have with you, that you will never let us go. We pray today, Lord, uh, that for those who are getting baptised, that you will uh, fill them with your joy and peace, fill them with the joy that comes from you as they be obedient to your call in their life, Lord. And may it stir and encourage all of us again to see your great work taking place in the hearts and lives of people. And for those, Lord, that haven't been baptised, have been following you for a number of years, Holy Spirit, we pray, would you stir their hearts right now? Would you prompt their hearts right now? to want to be baptised. Father, we thank you for this and we do ask and pray this now in your name, Jesus. Amen. We trust you have enjoyed our Bible talk from today. If you have any questions or comments from today's talk, please feel free to contact us at info at exchangechurch.org.au. Also, we love to welcome new people at Exchange Church in person. So consider yourself invited to be with us.